Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Racing with Ryan podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stevens, and we have a great show planned for you today, and it is all brought to you by our brand new partner, Speed Racer Photos, and Tyler Sontag. Big thank you to uh, to Tyler and Speed Racer Photos for coming on board for a multi-episode partnership. So uh, if you need any great photos taken from, uh, you know, he travels a lot of the tracks around the state. Uh, he is the main photographer over at the Citrus County Speedway. And uh, not going to lie, we've gone out there and we've been Tyler's cheering crowd before. So appreciate Tyler coming on board. And um, like I said, we have a great show planned for you. Wouldn't you know, one of his biggest clients, Michael Hind, will be our special guest interview today. Coming off his big win, his big prolate model win over at uh, Speedfest this past weekend. So we'll be talking all about Speedfest at the end of the show. We'll talk to Michael Hind. We'll hear from him. Um, it was a really, really good interview. Spoiler alert. Um, you'll definitely want to stay tuned for that. So um, as I mentioned, a lot of things to talk about. Um, originally was going to do kind of a, a special show today, um, something that I probably should have done at the very inception of the podcast, but uh, really didn't know where this thing was going to go. So I'm going to do it now, now that we're kind of established a little bit. Um, going to address a question that I get asked quite frequently. I've even been asked during live streams uh, on the New Smyrna Facebook page. Um, but I'm going to tell you my racing story and how I got to be in the position I am, the announcer slash social media slash whatever else loose ends I can help with person over at the New Smyrna Speedway. Um, all the other great opportunities that I've had in my uh, short yet established career in the racing business. So um, I'll tell you my story, kind of tell you where I started, how I got my position, and um, you know what uh, what I'd like to do moving forward. So we'll tell you all about that, and then we'll hear from Michael Hind. Great interview with Michael coming up, and then we'll talk a little bit about Speedfest from Cordell, Georgia. Um, great event. First time I've really paid full attention to it. I, I've always heard you know snippets about what's going on up there online, but was able to sit down and watch on Racing America this past weekend. It was a great show. Kudos to Racing America. Um, love the shout-outs that they did on social media. If you send in um, the, the hashtag SpeedFest, they would give you a little shout-out from Twitter. Um, got my daughter, and Margot got her son on there. So um, definitely, you know, I, I've been hard on 51 in the past, Speed 51, and uh, they have a new regime over there. And I got to say, I was very, very impressed with the broadcast that they put on this past weekend for Speedfest. Very, very well done, and uh, glad we got to tune in. So we'll talk a little Speedfest at the end of this. We'll give you a, a quick little recap because a lot of the drivers that we're familiar with at New Smyrna uh, or just in Florida in general capitalized on a big weekend. So we'll talk about all of that. But first, you know, I, I just, I, I like I said, I should have done this at the beginning of the show. Like I should have started the first episode um, with, with my story and who, who am I? How did I get into this racing thing? So, um, I've been a lifelong race fan since basically since birth, since I was, you know, cognizant enough to realize what racing was. My dad would take me to Beach Ridge Motor Speedway up in Maine where I was born. And, uh, we'd go there. I, I think it was weekly. Uh, my, my memories of Beach Ridge are, are just the fact that I know I was there. But uh, we, he would take me out there, and I would literally, as the, the night got late, I would just curl up next to my dad, like in his jacket or something, on, on the bleachers, and just fall asleep. And I would fall asleep to the sound of race cars. And um, from my dad bringing me to the racetrack, it 
you know, got me to be a race fan. And we would watch NASCAR races on Sundays when, you know, we were just sitting around the house. So it's, it's true what people say. Um, it's very important to get your kids involved at an early age because it does leave a lasting impression. I've been a race car fan for my entire life. So from Maine, we moved to Vermont when I was a couple of years old, uh, over to Swanton, Vermont, which is just across the pond from Plattsburgh, New York and the Airborne Speedway over there. Um, so for some of my older childhood years, if you will, we would travel across the pond, go to Airborne, and we'd occasionally make it up to Thunder Road in Barrie, Vermont. So all of my racing exposure came from a lot of the asphalt tracks up in Vermont, New York, Maine, um, even New Hampshire as well. Um, so, you know, we, we did that a lot as a, as I was a younger child and I, I, you know, learned who my favorite drivers were because of the car, because of the color, because of the number, there was an orange number 29. I was born on August 29th. My favorite color is orange. There was a driver by the name of Dave Dion. I'm sure many of you know who Dave Dion is. Um, but he was real predominant up in that region of the country. And I gravitated to that car and that number because it was, like I said, my favorite color, my favorite number. The car sold me on that driver. So Dave Dion was my favorite, would go cheer for him. Uh, he didn't run airborne every week, but uh, there there's some other guys there that I, I remember specifically an X1 car that I just loved because I, I liked the letter and the number combination. Um, you know, it's just various things. The The real colorful cars really stood out to me. Um, and I, I was, you know, I was young and we stayed in the grandstand. So I never really got to meet many of these guys when I was younger. Uh, but the cars, that's what drew me in and got me hooked. Um, so, you know, I'd been around the racetrack, been around NASCAR since early childhood. Uh, my family ended up kind of splitting and, uh, we headed South down to Florida with my mother back in about 1997, I believe it was 96, 97, um, actually went to the 1998 Daytona 500. That was my first NASCAR Cup race. Um, it was incredible. That's the one Dale Earnhardt won. So I look back at that now. I was not a Dale Earnhardt fan at the time, but I look back at that now and I'm like, man, what a moment, what a memory. I, I got to be live at the venue to see Dale Earnhardt win his first and only Daytona 500 just a few short years before his passing. So um, definitely one of those moments that will always stick with me. And if someone asks me, you know, what's the biggest racing moment? Yeah, it, it usually goes to that because that's, that, that's a chunk of history that nobody or not many people, uh, nobody can relive it. And not many people were able to uh, live it like I did. So, um, even, even when my family split and we moved to Florida, um, you know, I didn't fall out of racing. However, I did kind of fall out of getting to the short tracks. My mom, she enjoys racing to an extent, but wasn't the fan that my dad was. So the weekly short track adventures kind of ceased. Um, you know, my mom, a single mom at the time, raising three kids, uh, wasn't easy to get out to the racetrack. So I did follow along with NASCAR. Um, that became my, my, my racing fix for a while. And then as many of you can attest, NASCAR over the years, kind of became stale, and I would get frustrated with, you know, kind of the, the lack of competition and, and some of the stagnant racing going on, um, that I was like, man, and as I got older, um, I got, you know, got through college, and that was a daunting time. I was working as many hours as I could to, to buy gas to get in the car and get to school, um, and, you know, I, I worked nights. Um, I did, did college. I had to study a lot. So I wasn't really, I didn't have as, as much free time as I wish I had to go to the races. So I just 
really didn't get out. I got to Orlando Speed World a few times, but that was about it. So I kind of fell out of the local racing scene, and that's one of my biggest regrets is, is losing touch. But again, a lot of factors kind of out of my control. But I, I was sitting around on a Sunday, and I'm like, man, this NASCAR racing is boring right now. Not to say every race was, but a lot of it was. And I was like, man, I, I need to venture out. You know, I have a little bit more freedom. Um, you know, my my life has settled down to a to a schedule where I can get out and do things again. So I started... I started going out to New Smyrna Speedway back in 2015. Um, I went to one of the Red Eyes. I was just looking at around. I'm like, man, I wonder if any of the tracks are racing. And I saw New Smyrna Speedway had the Red Eyes, Super Late Model 100. And I said, you know what? I'm going out there. Um, and, and I know there's a lot of people out there that hate New Smyrna Speedway. But I, I tell you, I, I went there and the first race was Super Stocks. And, and it had rained that afternoon. There was a little bit of a rain delay. And the super stocks were the first class out, kind of racing on a treacherous track. It was still damp in, in the high line in the corners and treacherous conditions. But I watched, I believe, it was Zach Curtis and um, Matt Reynolds, uh, Justin Reynolds, sorry, um, that raced side-by-side side the entire race. And it was one of the best races I'd ever seen. And that right there dug the hooks in. So, um, I mean... People ask me, why do I like the Super Stocks? Or you talk about the Super Stocks a lot. That race right there made me love that division. Fell in love. Love those cars. Love the, the the big, boxy, long cars. And I loved the race. It was fantastic. So that's what uh, hooked me in to the New Smyrna Speedway. And the fact that it, it's a 45-minute drive from my house, and it's a nice drive. It's not frustrating through Disney traffic and I-4. I can take the back roads and kind of have a country drive out there, if you will. And... um so I started going out there. I went to much of the 2015 season. I didn't make it every week. I still had some things going on every now and then. I wasn't able to make it every week, but I became a basically regular fan out there. I followed along. If I didn't make it out there, I paid attention online. I, you know, I knew what was going on. And I got to thinking, I'm like, man, this would be a fun place to be part of. And again, this was, I, I'm a nobody. I'm a NASCAR fan sitting in the grandstands. Um, just kind of delving into social media, not really having a presence at all. Um, I was a nobody, you know, just some guy who liked race cars. And I'm thinking, sitting there in the grandstands, like, yeah, this is cool being a fan, but how do I get involved? I want to be part of this. And I'm like, I don't want to be cooking. I don't want to sell concessions. I don't want to be 50-50 or anything like that because I want to be, I want to somehow be involved to where I can watch the races because at the end of the day, like, I don't want to miss a lap, but I want to be involved. So, that leads me to the part of the story of me getting involved in racing. Um, like I said, I was following along basically full-time on, uh, on New Smyrna's page. Went to the 2016 Red Eye, went to 2016 Speed Weeks. And shortly after Speed Weeks, they had put up a, uh, a post online saying, hey, we're looking for a, a, a new announcer, full-time announcer. And I was like, oh my goodness. I mean, that right there is what I'm looking for. But at this time, and, and I still kind of am reserved in this way, but I was very reserved. I was very shy, um, you know, very, very socially awkward. Um, just real, real nervous about putting myself out there. And the thought of announcing, even though, hey, this is exactly what I'm looking for. I get to watch every race. I get to talk about every race. But the thought of talking in front of people, my biggest fear. I barely made it through my speech class back in the day. Like it was terrifying. I, I, 
not to the point of nervous breakdown or, or you know, panic attacks or anything, but I hated it. I hated it in talking, uh, hated talking in front of people. I hated being the center of attention. And I still, I, I don't do any of what I do f- looking for the limelight. That's why I like doing this audio only podcast because I can just tell you my thoughts and opinions. But um, I was thinking, man, but but this this is my chance. I can go out there. I get to be part of it. I get to be immersed even further into this thing that now I've come to enjoy. So I was like, okay, I have to put myself out there a little bit. And I remember I was sitting at work because I saw the post while I was working and I was thinking about it all day. I'm like, okay, I have to make, I have to call because they, they were like, hey, call this number if you're interested. And I'm like, I have to call this. If I don't, I'll never forgive myself because I might be giving up my, my biggest opportunity. And so I molded over all day, like nervous as all hell, got home because I, I wanted to do it in a, in a comfortable environment, um, you know, not the hustle and bustle of work and taking a break and having to think about not having enough time in, in case they needed to talk or something. So I come home and I think about it again. I dial the number in my phone and I hang up. I, I, well, I didn't, I didn't call it, but I, I exited out of the screen because I was like too scared to hit that button because I didn't even, I'm like, I'm a nobody. They're not going to hire me. So I already had in my head that self-doubt. But I finally got over that hurdle. I made the call. At the time, it was uh, Scott Kornman, who was kind of uh, in charge or in, in the lead position to, you know, get find somebody. So it was Scott Kornman, and I'm sure many of you know Scott. He's a little Gator Legends cars. Um, give them a shout out. Um, so I called him, and he goes, uh, you know, hey, okay, yeah, you're looking, look, you're interested in the announcing position. So he asked me to, to tell him a little bit about myself, and I'm just like, hey, uh, I'm just a fan. You know, I've been coming there for about the past year, a little over a year. I'm pretty familiar with the the regulars that race there. I'm a lifelong race fan, and I was like, I don't, you know, I, I don't have any. I can give you my work references for my real job, but I don't really have anyone that can, other than my father, or my mother that could back me up on, on my passion for racing. And I just kind of sold it as, yeah, I, I don't have any experience in this field. I, I it terrifies me, but I, I, I mean, I didn't say that, but I was just kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm just a fan who's interested in being part of New Smyrna Speedway. And I, I love to watch the races and, you know, I think this would be a, a fun thing. And, um, he, you know, took my information and said, Hey, you know, we're going to be conducting interviews soon. We'll get back in touch with you. And at that point, I was like, well, hey, that was successful. Um, I got my name out there. If they don't ever call me back, at least I tried. At least I tried. And that, to me, made me feel more proud of myself than I had been in a long time because I tried to do something for myself. And lo and behold, a couple days later, you know, and I was thinking, okay, well, the season starts in about three weeks. This is right after speed weeks. And I'm like, you know, I'm not going to be pushy, but if I don't hear anything in a week, I'll reach back out and see, you know, Hey, have you found anybody? Blah, 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 blah. In a couple of days, I got a text message asking if I would come down for an interview. And I was like, oh my goodness. Hell yeah. But also in my brain, I was more terrified than I had ever been because I'm like, oh my goodness, now this is real. Like this is going to happen. Um, so I cleared it with work and went down there one afternoon and they were like, and I was still pretty new to the speedway. Like, you know, I didn't, didn't really know where the offices were and none of this. So I show up and I, I was about 15 minutes early because I'm usually early to anything major. Um, and I sat in my car and just thought and, and kind of took it all in. Like this was a, this was one of the biggest moments as, as far as like being out there 
in my life. And, um, you know, the guy was like, Hey, uh, you know, when you get here, come to the office. And I had to be that guy like, uh, yeah, so I'm not sure where the office is, even though it's that big door with the race cars on it. Um, and Scott came out and met me and brought me in and there's Robert Hart. There's Jane Hart. There's Kim Brown, uh, and Scott obviously. And I'm, you know, I'm like, these are major people in this realm of racing, Mr. Hart, I mean, his presence alone was, you know, even at that time in 2016, you know, his his presence alone, I was just like, oh my goodness, this is this is something else. And, you know, I, I was honest in my interview, like, yeah, I'm a lifelong race fan. I I came, you know, I grew up in, uh, in Vermont, uh, watched Thunder Road, watched, you know, Plattsburgh, all this stuff. Uh, Spent my summers with my dad in Vermont. I forgot to mention that. We went to Thunder Road every weekend, and that got me even more into the short track racing stuff. Um, yeah, so I told him all that and, and that I've been a big fan here for about the last year. I know a lot of the local guys, and I, I know I have a lot to learn. Um, but I'm like, I would just, I was basically sold myself. I was like, I would really love this opportunity to see where it would go. And, uh, you know, uh, Kim Brown at one point goes, I think I know who you are. Are you Ryan2929 on Twitter? And I was like, yes, that's me. And she goes, you have mostly good things to say. And I'm like, because I, I had been like, oh, man, we got to get the car counts up a little bit. Um, but I enjoyed myself enough that I didn't shit on it. You know what I mean? Uh, and so that was that's one of the first interactions I ever had with Kim Brown. And it was uh, I was like, oh, OK. So now she kind of she gets it. She knows that I'm into this this realm here. I'm really not just some guy coming looking for a paycheck. Like I want to be involved. And, um, and then they had me go up to the tower and they, they wanted to hear me on the mic. That was part of the interview process. And, oh man, that was the first time I'd ever, oh man, been been on a microphone in that setting. I, obviously there's nobody there. It's just those in the office listening. So I went up there and I pretended to call a race. I just put myself in the situation. I pretended that in, in, I used the two guys that were staples at the time, Brad May and David Rogers. And I pretended it was two laps to go, Brad May versus David Rogers. And I just closed my eyes and pretended that those cars were on the racetrack and called the final two laps of that race between a made up race between David Rogers and Brad May to prove that I, I can do this play by play thing. Like I, I used to announce like on a, on a video game, like I'd, I'd watch the AR, AI cars race and I would call the race. So that was my, I didn't tell them that in the interview, but that was my uh, practice, <laughs> if you will. So I, I called this race and then like I pretended that race was over and we were moving on to the next one. So I remembered a couple of the sponsors that I heard because I know that's part of the deal. And I read off some sponsors, definitely tripped on that part. Uh, definitely got a little excited and a little ahead of myself and tripped over my words. And I'm like, oh, goodness. But it's like hopefully me calling the race was good enough to, you know, good enough trial here. And uh so Scott came back up and I was like, oh, definitely a little nervous there, but this is, this is really cool. Thanks for letting me uh, come up here and, and see the track from, from this point of view. And I, I even made the comment, so this is what it looks like when there's no race cars here. And uh, he's like, yep, she looks different for sure. And, uh, you know, I went back to the office and exchanged information and just asked if they had any more questions for me. And I left there and I was like, man, I, I you know, I'm sure somebody's going to audition for this that has experience or used to do this or somebody that they know, and I'm not going to get the job, but I got to go to New Smyrna Speedway. I got to go up in the tower and I got to be on the microphone and what a cool experience. Not many people can even say they've done that. 
And uh, so I went home and, and I, I didn't tell my family because they, they wouldn't believe me. And I, and I didn't want, in, in case it didn't come to fruition, I didn't want them to think like I was getting some job. And I, I don't know. It, it was weird. I didn't say anything until I got a call about a week before the season started. And uh, it was Scott Corman, and he says, hey, we'd like to have you come out for opening night. Um, we're going to bring you on and, and another guy at the time. Um, and I was like, you know what? That's great because that'll take some of the pressure off me and the nervousness off me because there'll be two of us. I can lean on him. He can lean on me, vice versa. And I figured whoever they were bringing in probably had experience, but maybe, you know, they were looking for a two-man system or, or you know, two, diff- two people with different strengths, which is great. And I was all for that. And I remember going to a family game night with my family, a little family get together. And at the end of it, I said, so I have a little bit of big news. I, uh, I got a job, a new job, part-time. And they're like, really? Are there things that tough? I'm like, no, no, no. It's a fun, it's a fun gig. And I'm like, you're not going to believe me. And I told them I'm going to be the, uh, I'm going to be announcing the races at New Smyrna Speedway. And my mom looked at me and goes, I don't believe you because she knew that I was, not the type of person to put myself out on a, uh, on a leg like that, to put myself out there. And she knew that. But she also knew that I love going out there and I love being, I, I love racing. So she's like, are you serious? And I'm like, 100% dead serious. And she's like, wow. Like, and my, my aunt who was there was, she's like, that's really awesome. And she goes, that's going to be really good for you. That's going to help you uh, a lot, not just in, in racing, but, uh, but just in general. And she was right. It, uh, it has. It, it has broken me out of my shell. And it took me, believe me, it took me a few years to break out of my shell. My first night there, I was nervous as all hell. Luckily, uh, I had Sean there. And he was brand new. He was He's an entertainer. He's like a, a DJ trivia guy. So he had that outgoingness. But he had none of the racing knowledge. And that is not a knock on Sean. That's just, I'm telling you, his character. So he had that like, woo outgoing, woo personality. And I had the knowledge and... We worked well together, um, but he was in it for the paycheck. It was a job to him. He wasn't in it for the racing. And that became clear because occasionally, and this happens at any job you work, they will ask you to do other things to help out. And we had uh, a car show one night where we had to sign people in and have them pay $5 to be part of the car show and the parade lap and give them their bands. And they asked Sean to help out with that. And he said, no, I'm, I'm here to announce the races. That, I'm, I'm here. I'm the announcer. I'm not here to do that. And I was like, well, I'll gladly do that because I know when you work at a place like a racetrack that's, you know, oftentimes shorthanded, you have to step up. And I, I know that about anywhere. You know, there are many times even at my day job where I have to step up and do something I don't want to do or that's not necessarily my job or my responsibility, but you do it. So I, I did that and... The next week, um, they let him go because he was, you know, not willing to help out when needed. And um, it, it became, it all fell on me. And I'll tell you, my first year, I was pushed. I was coached quite thoroughly. And when I fucked up, I knew it. When um, I learned about dead air, I learned about the things you do and you don't do. I learned, you know, how to be more entertaining. I, I learned. My first year, I learned. I was not great. I had it in me, but I had to get there. You know what I mean? So I was pushed hard. And I appreciate that. I appreciate Scott Cornman being on my ass. As, as frustrated as sometimes I got, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just want to enjoy the races. But it's a job. There's more to it than just sitting there and watching the races. So I learned my first year 
my first two years. And then, you know, we had a regime shift in management and I had to learn, you know, to be even better and push myself even more. And I'm always learning. I'm always pushing myself. Um, it is an ever-evolving position. There's always new things, new challenges. Uh, I mean, equipment challenges. Uh, you know, things are going to test your your fortitude up there. Things are going to happen on the racetrack. And, I mean, something happened last year that really, uh, when JT Tippins had his accident, and it was scary, and it was touch and go, and you you, you have to power through. And I got coaching on that. Before to, instead of dwelling on the incident and, and it not, you know, and I told Rusty, I was like, I, I didn't want people to think that I didn't care. And he's like, no, 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 you, you have to get, you have to help keep their minds off of it. So there are always things that I'm learning and evolving. But I will tell you, if I didn't pick up the phone that day, um, this podcast, first of all, wouldn't be happening. None of the great experiences I've had in racing would have ever happened. None of the opportunities, none of the great people that I met, I probably wouldn't have my daughter. Okay. That's how great that just this simple announcing job at a local short track has been. Um, yes, I get to watch racing every weekend. Yes, I, I've met great friends, but I have a family that, I mean, who knows where my life would have gone, you know, hindsight 2020, but I owe so many great things to this this racing adventure. You know, whether people want to hate on me or hate on the racetrack I work at, um, I don't I don't care because it's so much more than just what one person thinks. It's so much more than just what one person does. Um, it's, it's an absolute journey and I will, I wouldn't trade anything for it. Yes. It's, it's a lot of work. I, I do a lot of work. I mean, the social media is like a second, almost part-time job. Um, it's, it's just, there's so much more to it than just talking. So kind of back to the story here, you know, went through the first year and, and got my feet wet. And then I started getting better. Did my first speed weeks in 2017, I believe. Yes, because I started in 16. I started the regular season 2016. So did my first World Series. That was a hell of an experience. Um, and then I just, I got better. I got more comfortable. And I think it took me till about year three to really break out of my shell and not really have those reservations about, oh my gosh, what are people, everyone's looking at me, they're going to think about me. I don't care. Now I don't care if I goof up or say something silly or stumble over my words or, you know, have a, a tag hanging out of my shirt. It's, you know, I don't worry about the little things. I just go out there and I try to have a good time and enjoy the racing that we get. Is it always the best? No. Is it sometimes the most amazing thing in the world? Hell yeah. But th that's what racing is. It's about moments. It's not about the entire length of said race. There are just so many great moments out on the racetrack. And, you know, it has helped me grow as a person. Um, you know, I'm more socially outgoing. I'm, I'm still reserved. I'm not the life of the party by any means. I don't want to be that kind of, I'm not that kind of person. Um, even when I'm announcing, like I am part of the show, I, I, I guide people through the show, but I let the racers be the show. Yeah. I have my little catchphrases and my quirks and I throw little jokes out there that sometimes hit and sometimes well a lot of times miss but I, I am an entertainer so I do try to be entertaining but uh, again I try to let the racers be the spotlight and I try to have facts and figures on the racers and I try to say mostly good things about the racers unless they do something boneheaded which when they do it's not necessarily a knock on them it's just to highly go Okay, go listen to Dave Moody back when he used to announce at Thunder Road. There's plenty of videos on the internet. And I mean, he just downright roasts people. But he does it all in good fun. And that's what I do. 
So all these people, oh, he said this. He said, yeah, I did because I was roasting your ass because I'm trying to be entertaining and put on a show. You're part of the show. When you do good things, you get praised. When you do goofy things, you know, you become a, you, you get memed, if you will. But it's all in good fun. And I hope that everybody at, at this point understands that, you know, as part of my job, that that's what it is. But man, I, I, that in a nutshell is my story. I don't want to make this like a three-hour podcast. I mean, there's so much more that I could say. But we did get some questions from some of the listeners that came in. And I do uh, I do want to go ahead and answer those. I have not vetted these questions. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read them and I'm going to answer them to the best of my ability. And then we'll hear from Michael Hind. And, um, and then we'll talk a little bit about Speedfest. Okay, so here is our first question. This one coming from Jack Hall. Um, what is your ultimate goal in the racing world? And that's why I kind of stopped where I did because uh, I, I kind of figured questions like these were coming. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not, I'm not doing this to become a TV personality. I, I'm very happy with my role right now. I love kind of the low-key short track stuff. Um, I, I would, you know... I would love for this podcast ultimately to really take off and and become bigger and better than it is. So, um, well, what I do is not just for personal gain. Uh, I, I like to use it as a stepping stone to do what I can for the short track racing world and and promote it and get it out there. So ultimately, my goal here is to do what exactly what I'm doing now, but better and always get it better. I don't want to be, I'm not going to be the next Dave Moody. I'm not going to be the next Mike Joy. Definitely not going to be the next Rick Allen because he's terrible. <laughs> um, I, I'm not, I, I did TV one time during speed weeks and it was a cluster uh, because the guy that I was working with, like they tried to put it over to the PA and it didn't work. And the guy was only, the guy I was working with only cared about the TV and so I said, to heck with the TV. I just put my headset down and went and did the PA because I'm more concerned about the people that pay to get into the racetrack. I'm more worried about them having a good show than the people watching on TV. Um, I, I just, I don't like the, I, I don't need to be in the limelight. I just want to enjoy what I do. So ultimately my goal is to use the resources, the very few resources that I actually have and to continue to talk about short track racing and promote it. So ultimately, that's my goal, and I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. Uh, Jennifer Brinson asks, what have you noticed as the biggest change in the racing world since you became a part of it, and what, uh, what would you change if you could? Honestly, it's the cost. Um, it's an increasing problem. It, uh, you know, it really started back in the recession in 2008. The cost of everything started going up. There's less money to be had. Um, people started getting out of racing. And now I'm kind of seeing, I, I feel like we're in line for a racing recession. Um, tires are absolutely crazy. Uh, David LeBeau brought up tires to me the other day and said it would be a good topic for your show. And I just, I don't want to just dwell on it, but it, it is a problem. At New Smyrna, I, all I hear is your tires are so expensive. And I see the prices elsewhere. And I mean, they're not maybe as expensive, but they're expensive. Tires are expensive. Fuel is skyrocketing. Parts are getting harder to find. Uh, they're more expensive because the, sh the supply, supply and demand, it drives prices. Um, honestly, uh, to answer Jennifer's question, it would be to find a more cost-effective way to race so that more people can afford to do it and it wouldn't, and it didn't all just become, well, this place doesn't pay enough or this and that, it's too expensive, don't want to race there. 
Um, I, I wish we could get racing uh, simple and cheap and to the point where people could afford to do it again and not have it all be about pay. That's what I would. Uh, that's what I would do. Do I have the answer to that? Absolutely not. There's someone much smarter than me that might have ideas on that, but that's what I would like to see change. But we'll see. Uh, Skinny Roth, why does New Smyrna have such a black eye as a track? In your opinion, uh, it's because the pay is not as high. Honestly, uh, it is a fast track. It, it is a track where if you spin out, you're likely going to have to clip your car. Um, it's more expensive to run because it's a bigger track. So a 25 lapper there is more wear and tear on the car than a 25 lapper at say Auburndale or Citrus. Um, so it takes more resources. Uh, it's a motor track, uh, as compared to a driver track. Uh, obviously you have to have a lot of talent to win here and you have to be able to handle a fast car. There's a lot of fast cars that I've seen where people haven't quite been able to handle them and they're not as successful. Um, but you know, I, I feel like you could do $15,000 to win races at New Smyrna every week, even for sportsmen, and you'd probably still end up, you know, with 10 less cars than you would maybe somewhere else, just because of the nature of the beast. And I mean that with all due respect, because when, if somewhere is tougher on equipment and tougher on drivers and, and could hurt you a lot worse than just spinning out at Auburndale or Citrus, or 417, or, you know, Cordial. Um, it it makes people stay away and then get online and, 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 and you know, say things about the track that, you know, they're just saying it to kind of pad the reason why they're not there. Um, what do you see for the future of New Smyrna Speedway? I definitely don't see it going anywhere. Um, I hope that we kind of we, we've we're we're, we're kind of in a, a valley right now. I'd love to see it peak. Um, I love the things going on uh, for Speed Weeks this year. It's huge with the Wheel and Modified Tour. I'd like to see more touring series added to the schedule throughout the year, maybe once a month um, or once every two months, just to bring in some new flair. Um, but yeah, I mean, New Smart is going to be there, and um, uh, I I just. I think there's a little bit more everybody could do to step up just a bit more and, and we'll get back on track. Um, Kenny again asking, have I ever cussed on the track mic live? I've said hell. Uh, I've said, you know, that kind of thing, if that counts. Um, I've never dropped, like, the cardinal words in radio uh, that you can't say. I've never done that. Maybe um, off mic. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think I may have, like, dropped a, a word like not directly in the microphone but I kind of moved the microphone away and maybe said something I shouldn't have uh, but I've never directly cursed on the mic uh at the track so that's 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 it's probably coming um Kenny again asking favorite race car number 29 uh, I talked about that a little bit at the top of this thing uh Kenny asking have you ever called the one car field no I did a three car race and it was actually kind of fun because the leaders took themselves out and Dalton Smith won so I like that um, another question coming in. Why is super stocks your favorite class? Again, I, I did kind of hit on that as to why it got me hooked. Uh, that first super stock race I ever saw, it drew me in. I love the cars. I love the racing and, um, it's, it's pretty much that simple. I'll always love super stocks, pure stocks, bombers, um, V8 bombers, whatever you want to call them. Love them. Absolutely love them. I love the crown Vicks too. That's a fun class. 
Um, do you have a motivational song for your drive to the track? Uh, not really. Uh, a lot of times Margo picks the music anyway, so I'm stuck listening to like, uh, oh man, Falling in Reverse or something, and that demotivates me, so I have to I have to pump myself up other ways. But no, uh, I, I, I like metal. Typically when I roll into a racetrack, heavy and loud kind of pump me up. So we'll go with metal music in general. Uh, Margo asks, when you realize the modifieds are superior racing division, not these modifrauds that run in Florida... Also, this question is a joke. No, the, the tour mods, man, it's such a special thing. And I love that we only see them, you know, during speed weeks. It really makes that portion of speed week so special. Um, they are fun to watch. Those things are so grippy. Uh, it's not like the super lights that get in a, a line and don't do much. The, the tour mods, you can actually race. I mean, Ryan Priest coming from like 40th to win a 76 lap race last year was, I mean, it can't be outdone. So, um, I feel like her question, it may have been a joke, but it's also legit. Um, best race you've called so far in your career from Kenny. Man, that is, oh, man, that's that's tough. Um, man, I, I think one of the craziest races I've ever called was the uh, the charity truck race this past December over at Auburndale. That was insanity. A um, couple of, uh, you know, we've had some big wrecks at New Smyrna, um, so those stick out, but... Man, it's tough. I've done so many, Kenny. They they start running together. Uh, Margo asks, what's your favorite part of announcing at both the little track and the big track? Are there any new Smyrna quarter midget kids that you hope or think you'll see in the big track in a few years? I think the Gardeners, for sure. Um, they've got the talent. They've got the means to be on there if that's the direction they choose. Um, my favorite part of announcing, period, whether it be at the quarter midgets, uh, whether it be at Auburndale, whether it be anywhere else that asked me to help out, um, is just being part of something that I love instead of just sitting there and watching, like I get to be involved in the show. And that is my favorite part. Um, it, it's not so much like, you know, it's not, uh, just doing driver interviews or announcing a super late model race. It's being immersed in something that I love so much. So that's the, the short answer there. Um, Kenny asking ever been a racer, Ever been a racer where you've seen the pits and go, oh man, them again? Um, there was one time, and this was a surprise. And this is, I'm not picking on this this driver because I, I I was always friendly with this driver. Uh, I remember I was talking to Bobby Holly, and here comes Preston Hunt in the six Superstock rolling down the hill to come through Tech, and we both looked at each other like, him again? Not so much like, oh God, why is he here? But it's like, well, there's a surprise. Uh, cause he'd had some run-ins with, with some drivers in the past and maybe not been the most popular driver throughout the super stock field. But I just, I remember looking at Bobby and I was both wide eye going, wow, it's him. He's back. So I, I guess that counts. CJ Creech, uh, CJ Creech asked, why is the number 44 so popular? And Zeppelin Fabrications, uh, chiming in, uh, asking which 44, I honestly think 44, 43, any of the petty numbers, any of those old school NASCAR numbers are always going to be popular. Um, you, you you can go to any short track and see a replica Dale car, a uh, replica Petty car. So I, I would say 44 is popular because of the Petties. Um, Kenny, again, asked, why is 51 so popular late models? Because you see it every week, Kenny, with, with Skinner's cars. That's why. Um, my dad says, awesome, now I need to come to Thunder Road and do a race. Okay, going back to Jennifer's uh, question, that is, uh, no, I'm sorry, it was, uh, it was, um, oh, whose question was it at the beginning of this thing? It was Jack's question. If I could get to do a race at Thunder Road, 
even if it was just like a, a one-off like street stock race or something, I would die. So there's that. Um, Margo asks, um, who are some other announcers, analysts that you look up to? Um, honestly, Ben Dodge. He's one of my favorite people. I missed him so dearly last Speed Weeks. I loved being able to do the Modifieds last year, and, and I love that he had the confidence in me to give me his blessing to do the Modifieds last year because he's always done the Modifieds. Um, but he he has always been so positive. Even my first Speed Weeks, when he knew I was new, he's like, just so you know, I'm here to do the Modifieds. I'm not here to step on your toes. I'm not here to tell you how to do your job. I'm here if you need help. And he was always been helpful and supportive. So he's always been a huge proponent in my career. Um, I, I love Mike Joy. I love Dave Moody. I grew up listening to Dave Moody. I think a lot of people might not like some of his analysis, but I find his uh, his work to be incredible. His his fun and entertaining commentary, especially on the short track ranks, which he doesn't get to do so much on the NASCAR side. Uh, like I said, go listen to Dave Moody call a race at Thunder Road. You'll enjoy it. Um, and, and Mike Joy on the cup side of things, I, I just enjoy, yeah, he's getting older now and you can tell, you know, he's, he's getting up there. But I've always enjoyed his uh, matter-of-fact approach to the sport. So those are the people that I look up to. Uh, CJ asking about a four, uh, four-wheel four drive. Sport compacts are growing and gaining grounds in all tracks. How long do you think New Smyrna and other local tracks realize they aren't just an entry-level class anymore? Um, I And I've said this before. You know, I think we focus on the bombers and we focus on reeling in the mod minis and making them a little bit more affordable. I think we focus on what we have, but I would love to see uh, that, that touring class that's going to Freedom Factory. I'd love to see them at New Smyrna. Uh, I'd love to see, you know, we don't need to add every single division in the world just to run them on a weekly basis just because, but it would be cool to invite these, you know, bigger touring series in every now and then to be part of New Smyrna. You don't have to make it a class and you don't have to run it up. Like you don't do the pure stock series up against the super stock race so that if our super stock guys want to participate, maybe they can. And it'd be the same thing. Don't run the, the touring four cylinders on a night when you run bomber A's, you know, do on different nights. But, uh, but and, and I don't think, CJ, that it's a New Smyrna saying to hell with it. I, I think, you know, sometimes we, we have like 11 classes right now, maybe 12 coming. Um, we, we, we need to focus on those and put those classes up on the pedestal instead of, whoa, what, is, what everything else is going on? Um, I do wish, though, on, on that same regard, I wish that our super stocks could somehow have the same rules as the pure stocks. Uh, in other divisions. Um, not not saying that those guys are all going to come over here if we do that, but the options. I, I love having options. You know, I hate limiting cars. I hate limiting, you know, different things. O- open it up, but also make it fair. Um, let's see. Let's see. That's all a whole thread about the same question. Um, okay, CJ Creech, this is a good one. What's the worst experience you've had as an announcer? And this was self-inflicted. Um there was one night, and it was a big night. We had the pro trucks there for a 50-lapper. So it was, uh, like, that was the main event. And it was in the middle of the summer. I did not come prepared with food. I thought, okay, I'm going to get to the track. I'm going to do my pit notes. I'm going to run over to Subway. And I'm going to grab something to eat. Well, I did my pit work. Something came up. I had to go into the office. I was overheated and dehydrated. I'm in the office, and uh, somebody looked at me and was like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm just, it's, it's hot. So I, I had a drink, and... And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to go get something to eat. And I didn't have enough time to get to Subway. 
so I ate some chicken fingers at the track. Huge mistake. Not They were fine. They tasted good, but they did not agree with my stomach with being dehydrated and overheated. I had the world's worst stomach ache and headache to start the night. And I'm thinking, okay, when the sun goes down and we get into the night, it'll go away. But my stomach got worse and worse and worse. I was so discombobulated. There was a, a poor driver there and I could not pronounce his name correctly that night for the life of me. Um, I couldn't think straight. Um, I, uh, I, I literally didn't know if I'd make it through the night. Uh, so that was terrible. There was another night and this was during the Clyde Art Memorial. Like, okay. So that night I, I felt absolutely awful. Like I was sick to my stomach. Okay. And that just made it hard to get through the Clyde Hart Memorial. When Kyle Busch came to race, I've stayed over, uh, in the area and I forgot my contact solution and I bought clear eyes and tried to soak my contacts in clear eyes. And it burned when I put them back in, it literally chemically burnt my eyes for the night. So thank God I had Jake Wilson help me out that night and he kind of took over. Um, I would say that night was terrible, but I still enjoyed the races. I just couldn't see very well. It was just kind of one of those, like, I, I'm not fully, I, I, it didn't hurt so much as the fact that like, I could not use my eyes, which is a huge part of my job. Um, but that was not even quite as bad as the, the night where I was dehydrated and sick to my stomach. So those were two pretty bad examples of sometimes what, uh, the average person would have went home and not been able to power through. I will say that. Um, Aaron Foy asked, why can't the orange number seven bomber A finish in the top three? Um, you got one coming, Aaron. That's what I'll say on that. So there's just a few of the questions. Appreciate all the questions that did come in. Hopefully you learned a little bit something about me. Um, now you'll have a greater understanding of, because, excuse me, there's a, there's a lot of people that have met me at different points in my career. And uh, there are people that come up to me and they will tell me, when I first started, they did not think I would make it, yet here I am, and I don't mean that to be cocky. I'm just, you know, I, I like, you know, I like proving people wrong a little bit uh, just because people have doubted me my entire life. So anyways, now you have a little bit greater understanding of where I came from. Hope you enjoyed this part of the podcast. Um, coming up after the break, we will hear from Michael Hind, and then we will quickly recap the activities over at Cordial Speedway and speed fest <laughs> this week's edition of the racing with ryan podcast is brought to you by our partner speed racer photos for all your photography needs make sure you contact them on their facebook page or you get in touch with tyler sontag they have all kinds of great uh, offerings on photographs and any size that you need you can get photos uh, just by themselves you can get photos with frames you can get prints on metal and many many other things also uh, Speed Racer Photos does hero cards or autograph cards. And if you go to Speed Racer Photos on Facebook, make sure you follow them and you can see all the great offerings that they have, price breakdowns and more. So huge thank you to Tyler Sontag and Speed Racer Photos for supporting the podcast and make sure you support them as well for all your race car photography needs. All right, so we're going to welcome onto the podcast one of the young up-and-coming drivers in the late model scene, fresh off a big win over at Speedfest up in Georgia. Michael Hine, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Ryan. Yes, sir, absolutely. Man, what a uh, what a great couple of days for you to go over to Georgia with the uh, Pro Late model, and um, it might have been a surprise to some people. I mean, you were on my radar for sure, but getting that big win how does it feel to get yourself a win in the prolates 
Oh yeah, well we've uh, we've brought a few different tracks. We've ran pretty good at New Smyrna. I think we've been there two or three times and had podium finishes every time. So we've always been fast in the car. And uh, for my first time going to uh, Cordial, I really wasn't sure how it was going to go. We rolled off the trailer really fast, thanks to Chris Cater. And I was just hoping for a top five finish, maybe come back there later in the year and run a little better. But I qualified fourth, and then I started seventh. But as soon as the race started, I just felt like I was going to the front really fast, making moves, and the car handled really good right from the get-go. And uh, I battled for the lead, like, towards the middle of the race. And once I took the lead, I just didn't turn back. Yeah, man, once you got out in front, it was pretty much game over. And what a great field of cars. They had, like, 30 prolates out there, so it was a big field. And, um, you know, you were riding that wave of momentum from a good run with the prolate at uh, at the red-eye race. So you've been off to a great start this season. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I really never expected that. It was just a crazy feeling, like, I've been waiting on this win for so long, and it just came when I never expected it. Yeah, I mean, how, how does it feel to have that weight, if you will, lifted off your shoulders? You finally got that first late model win. Oh, it's a huge weight lifted off my shoulder. I'm really glad that I got that win. I feel like it's just going to carry us so much more momentum going into Speed Week in a few weeks. And I'm hoping we can get a few more there and uh, maybe even win the championship. Well, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, you, you guys and, and Chris Cater and all those guys, and you got – um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you got some uh, help from Steven Nassi, at least during Red Eyes. So you've got a good team behind you. you. You guys have all the momentum in your favor heading into this uh, nine nights of racing during World Series. Definitely. No, Chris and Steven have been a huge help to my racing. I wouldn't be where I am without them and my parents and all the support from my crew. So they've just, Chris has always got cars top notch. I would not have won that race without Chris. And then Steven got on the radio a little later and helped me. And my cousin Clayton, he spotted for me that race and got me really good, and he helped me drive to the front. And I actually think Stephen will be spotting for me most of the uh, races in Speed Week, so that'll help a lot, having a driver like that who's dominated in years before at Speed Week races. So I think they'll be able to just steer me in the right direction for sure, and hopefully we'll get some more wins with them. Oh, absolutely. With that kind of help, I mean... Um, I, I definitely put you up in, in one of the favorites, uh, at least on the pro late model side. And you've been racing the super late model too. And that's when you caught my eye back in, in 2020, first time you come out to New Smyrna for the red eye and you battled hard with, with guys like Brad May and Jeff Schofield to finish third in your first race. So, I mean, you, you've had success with the super late model too. Right now, it seems like the pro late might be going a little bit better uh, for you. Whereas last year, maybe the, the super late was your, your strong suit. Um, do you find that one of those cars is just a little better or suits your driving style a little bit better? The Pro Late is definitely a little bit different than the Super. I started off in the Mod Mini, and I feel like the Pro Late is more of my driving style. I haven't been in a Pro Late as long as I have been in a Super. We jumped straight to the Super. But I feel like like kind of hustling the car is more of my driving style since I started off in that Mod Mini. You try to just carry as much momentum as you can rather than a super, which is more of like a finesse-type car. You can still hustle it, but it's definitely not like a pro. But I feel like I'm learning off of each car, and I'm learning different things that I can do. And there's a few more things we're going to do to the super that are on the pro. So hopefully we'll start running a little better in the super again. Well, I have a feeling with, you know, with Speedways coming up, you're doing double duty. Um, you'll have plenty of time to, to tinker on these cars. And 
I think you'll have both up to speed. I think everybody's going to be looking for you now with the prolates. They all saw what you did over at uh, Speedfest, so now you're on. Now you're on everybody's radar, so you won't be able to sneak up on these guys, maybe like you could have uh, if you didn't get that win. But you've uh, you've come a long way in a, in a short time. Like you said, you started out in the mod minis, um, what two three years ago? Yes, sir. I believe it was a year and a half to two years ago. I uh, finished second in my first race and then won my second race at Auburndale. Then I won a few more and then ended up winning the Rick Sermons Memorial, which is the number one race I had my eyes on. Uh, before I even started racing, I went and watched that race, and it just felt like it'd be an awesome thing to win that. So that was the one race I really wanted to win, and we ended up winning it our first time out. We had it a few weeks ago. I ended up finishing second to Cody Stickler. He had a really good car, but I still feel like driving all the different cars helps me sharpen my skills. Like the Mod Mini, yeah, it's a lot slower, but you still got to hustle it because everybody else is hustling it just as much. So they all definitely help, and uh, I think it makes my driving even better just hopping from car to car. Absolutely. I mean, look look at Cody Stickler, who you just mentioned. He drives all kinds of things, modifieds, Mod Minis, pretty much whatever anybody will give to him. So if you can be good in multiple types of cars, that that just goes well for your career. If anyone's like, hey, come drive my stuff, you know, you have all this experience that could probably uh, help help you in those situations. So um, I got to ask you, what is your, what's your favorite thing to drive? You got experience in the super late, pro late, and mod mini. Do you have a favorite car that you like driving? I'll be honest, coming after, coming off of that big win Saturday, I'll definitely say the Pro Late model as of right now. Anytime I can drive the Mod Mini, it's still really fun if we have an off weekend, just because it brings back kind of nostalgia, like from where I started. But I have a feeling once I get a little better in the Super, I'll, I'll enjoy that a lot more. Yeah, I mean the Super. That's you know those that's where all those big money races, those big prestige races are. So everybody wants to do well there. Uh, but to come up from mod minis of all things in such a short amount of time up into now a contender on the late model ranks, that's very impressive. That shows a lot about your team that you have behind you, of course, but a lot about your talent as well. Definitely. No, like I said before, I would not be where I am without Chris Cater, Stephen Massey, and my mom and dad, and all the people who are behind me, like Brembo Brakes and Progressive Race Engines and Pink Carburetors. Definitely Jeff from Strange Over Axles. They've helped me so much, and Five Star Bodies. I like, they're the reason I'm running up front. Like, yeah, I'm just holding the wheel, but they definitely give me the car to be up front. Well, I mean, obviously, it's great to have that, that great kind of help. And, Brembo just came on as a uh, contingency partner for the World Series as well, so we appreciate that. But, um, you know, there's a lot of people that just go out there on a Saturday night to hold the wheel and say they're out there. You're up there competing for wins and whatever you bring to the racetrack. And, you know, that that, that takes not only a lot of hard work, but but like I said earlier, the, the talent as well. And you, you're kind of one of those guys who, you know, yeah, you ran speed weeks and you ran a lot of races last year, but to get that win uh, at, at Cordial – now, now everybody kind of knows who you are. Does that change how you approach speed weeks? Do you, do you feel like you have higher expectations now? I'd say I definitely have higher expectations, but I just feel like it gives me so much more momentum. Like, yes, the pressure is going to be on to me. Like, I'm going to be expected to do more. But then again, like, there'll be a lot of fast guys there. So, like, winning a race at speed weeks is almost just as big as winning speed fest. There'll be a bunch of fast cars there. So we can run up front in a few races. I think that would look good. Like to any other, any other drivers like driving, cause that's still a huge accomplishment 
like running good in speed weeks for sure. Oh, absolutely. And you know all the eyes that are on speed weeks, whether they're watching on Flow Racing or they're coming down from all the big wigs coming to Daytona for the for the 500 that sometimes sneak over. So there's a, there's a lot of eyes. When you win at speed weeks, it catches people's attention for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's the plan. Like, we've been trying to run as much races as we can. It definitely takes a lot of time out from other things. But getting the seat time like we have running the bigger races and running speed weeks, you can't get any more uh, seat time than that. Running nine nights and two different cars, that's pretty much a full season anywhere else, if not more seat time. So I feel like all of that has helped me run against these bigger races and these better drivers. So I feel like a lot of that is why I ran good at Cordial, especially for our first time there. Now, you have the Speed Weeks experience. You came out and ran the the full thing last year with, with both cars. Um, was uh, was it everything you thought it would be, or did you think it was, like, too crazy, or do you enjoy running night after night after night? You know, it really depends. Like, I'm sure other drivers can say the same, too. I feel like if you're running really good, like, from the start, I feel like it gives you a lot of momentum going later into the week. We had some problems earlier in the week, so we were playing catch-up the rest of the week, hopping from car to car, and it seemed like every car just had a little bit something wrong with them. But we ended up figuring it out the last pro race, and I think I ran, like, fifth in the last pro race, which that was only my second pro race ever, I believe. So I feel like last year was definitely not what we were hoping for, but we got a lot of momentum going into this year. So I feel like it'll be a good year for us. Yeah. Last year you kind of got your feet wet and got the experience. Like, like I said, like a month before that, the red eye race back last year was your, your first time to new Smyrna. And then they throw you to the wolves during world series. So yeah, it was a learning experience last year and, and you've come a long way. And, and now you have that win and you're going into your second speed weeks, bringing out both cars. So you're going to be very, very busy. Um, at least you know 14 races to try to get a win and if i was a betting man i would definitely put my chips on you to at least score a victory uh in one class if not both well i really appreciate it you know a lot of people have been asking me to uh go on their interviews and stuff and i can't be more thankful for that like you taking your time and having me go on your interview i just really appreciate all the support from everybody well hey i i appreciate you taking the time to to come on here and uh the, the people that do listen to the show uh, all week they're like you got to get michael on you got to get michael on so I'm, I'm very glad we were able to work this out and uh it, it was super cool i just sitting on my couch all nice and bundled up all, all nice and warm watching speed fest and to see you get that big win amongst, amongst that big field, to see Timmy Moore, who's a, a local driver at New Smyrna, and to see Bubba Pollard all win on the same weekend, at, you know, within a couple hours, it was pretty cool. Um, I got to ask you one thing about Speedfest. Was it really as cold as they were saying it was? I'll tell you this. I was so happy to get in that car because I could not stand outside any longer. It was just everything we could do to get the cars out of the trailer. I was so cold. I did not want to leave the trailer. Oh, but man. once I got in the car, it was it felt a lot better. But I don't even think I broke a sweat. So, yes, it was definitely as cold as everybody said. So it was nice in the car for a change where you're used to, like, sweating in the middle of the summer. You get in the car and it's like a sauna. But this week or uh, last week at Speedfest, you get in there and it feels real good. What? How weird is the weather? Oh, it was definitely weird. It's not definitely something I'm not used to, but I honestly, I really like driving in the cold. I feel like I ran good for like not racing in the cold much, but I, uh, I definitely look forward to racing in the cold more. I'm sure it'll be a little cold, some cold nights at speed weeks. It got a few 
times last year got cold. So maybe we'll get a few more cold nights and uh, run good again. Well, I'm sure we'll get a couple cold ones. I'm just hoping as long as it's dry, we don't care what the weather does. But uh, so obviously they can find you coming up at the World Series uh, coming up February 11th through the 19th. You're going to be running the Super in the Prolate model so they can find you all week there. Um, What's on the plans for the rest of 2022? So we plan on running the speed weeks and all that, and then we're going to go uh, try to run the Alabama 200 okay. at uh, Montgomery after that. And then we'd like to run the Rattler at Op, and then the rest of the Southern Super Series schedule, and then whatever other races we can, maybe hop in the Mod Mini a few times if we have an off weekend or two, go run a few local races. And then I'd really love to make it in the Derby this year. We we made the Snowflake last year. We had a few motor issues this past year for the derby so if i could make it in the derby this year that would just be an awesome year that would be and so you're going to branch out a little bit chase some of those big races and pull out the car maybe even the mod mini and have some fun whenever you can that sounds like a great great season of racing for you yes sir i'm looking forward to it you know like mod minis where i started and i just feel like it's so much less pressure than the late models i just feel like i'm so much more relaxed well, we will um, obviously be keeping tabs on you, and I know we'll see you over at New Smart a couple times, at least with the Southern Super Series, hopefully for Governor's Cup. And, uh, you know, now you got that big win, we'll be we'll be looking for you to get more. Well, I really appreciate uh, you taking your time and having me, Ryan, and all the support from everybody at New Smyrna and everywhere else. So I can't thank you enough. Yes, sir. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, and uh, we'll see you in a couple days, and we'll definitely be talking to you during Speed Weeks. We'll see you you soon. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much, Michael. Have a good night. You too. Thank you. All right. Bye. All right. So again, we want to thank Michael Hind for taking some time to come on the show. What a great interview. And uh, it was great to learn a little bit about Michael Hind. He's really rushed onto the scene and he's going to be a driver that we will follow for many, many years to come by the looks of things. And uh, let's go ahead and quickly get to our recap of the racing over at Speed Fest this past weekend up in Cordial, Georgia, at the Watermelon Capital Speedway. Um, of course, Michael Hine getting his first career pro late model win, which, as you heard from the interview, is kind of a, not really a surprise, but kind of a whirlwind and, and really propelled his career, I think, a little bit faster than even he thought was going to happen. So obviously, this is going to make Michael a probably one of the top contenders for the World Series Championship, at least in the pro late model ranks, because... He did come out and best a field while there was 30 cars entered. It looks like 27 of them started the race. I mean, look at some of these names. I mean, Derek Griffith, uh, Hunter Wright, Stephen Nassi. Um, you even got Cody Coughlin in there. Spencer Bragg, who's real good up in that part. Uh, Dylan Fetchko, who I thought was going to win the race. But it, it was a very competitive pro-late model race. A um, couple of wrecks, a couple of things that shook up the field, obviously. But it wasn't like Michael Hind you know, took advantage of cars wrecking or falling out. He battled his way towards the front. And as he even said in his interview, he felt good once he got out in front and he knew he had something at that moment. And sure enough, he was able to hold off a great field of cars. Uh, Michael Hind, your winner in the prolate model portion of Speed Fest. Cole Williams was second. Dylan Fetchko, third. Cody Hall, fourth. And keep an, keep an eye on this youngster. Giovanni Ruggiero finishes fifth for Anthony Campy Racing. You will see... Giovanni at the World Series in the Pro Late Model Ranks. So that might be a guy to keep your eye on, as well as Michael Hine and some of the others coming out. Um, 
definitely uh, want to give a big shout out to the folks over at CRA who are running the Speed Fest. Of course, they were up against that crazy weather that came through, that really cold front, if you will, the cold weather system. They had to kind of change up the show a little bit, and kudos to them for doing the show. They could have canceled altogether because they knew it was going to be a tough draw with the fans. Also, a huge kudos to all the fans that did come out for that show. It was a decent show, showing despite the weather. I know our friend Austin Griffiths was up there. Uh, he went and froze his butt off. But uh, they did have to shorten up some of these races. Normally, I'd be mad about that. But when you see all the cancellations that have happened recently in the racing world because of cold, you got to give them a tip of the hat for, you know, maybe cutting some of the fat off and, and getting the core racing in. And that's exactly what they did. So huge, huge kudos to them. Also, a big shout-out to Racing America. Uh, this, they are not a sponsor, um, but they did a great broadcast. I thought it was an absolutely fantastic broadcast. Um, so shout out to them and awesome that uh, we have so many great outlets to watch the short track racing uh, product when you're not able to make it to the track. So again, Michael Hine, we, we kind of covered this race a little more in depth in his interview and we got to hear it from Michael himself. So there's not too much to uh, to dwell on here other than, uh, you know, it's cool to see one of our Florida boys go up there and get his first career win. So uh, the three big races for Speedfest, of course, was the, uh, the Super Late Model 200, which became a 150. The Pro Late 150 became a 120 or became a 100. And then the Modified Race, the Modifieds of Mayhem Race, was cut down to 50 laps. So let's uh, let's talk about that Modified Race real quick, if I can pull it up, uh, because this was this was probably the craziest race of the day. Uh, they had 21 cars on the list. Looks like 19 took the green flag, uh, including some of our Florida drivers, Richie Smith, Travis Wilson, Brad Bowman. Uh, there was a couple of others, uh, Cody Stickler, and, of course, Timmy Moore, who we'll talk about here in a minute. So the Florida boys had a good showing up there. And uh, this race, it got crazy. And this is where I'll give the Richard Cranium of the Day Award. Whoever was running this race, and I think it was Nicholas, and, man, I... I've worked with him during speed weeks before. So this is not a crap on Nicholas thing, but man, the modifieds right towards the mid portion of the race, there's something on the racetrack. And for three or four laps, uh, drivers were spinning and slipping and sliding all over the place. And it was obvious. Yeah, I know. I wasn't there. I get it. But um, you had, I, God, I think it was Brian Nestor who got spun out and uh, he hit the inside wall and he says he, he was very matter of fact in his interview and said, yep, th this, this track is horrible and they're trying to kill us out here. And I think not so much in reference to the, the design of the racetrack, but the fact that they were slipping and sliding for like five or six laps and out of control. And they didn't throw a yellow to check the racetrack until someone wrecked. So that was, that was a bit crazy. I was sitting there on the couch yelling like, hello, it's one thing and somebody gets loose a couple laps, but when it's two, three, four drivers, in each corner getting loose all the time, that tells you there's usually something on the racetrack. It, you know, if it happens in one corner and then doesn't happen again, that's just driver pushing it. But when it's lap after lap, car after car, that's usually your sign. So um, I, I get it. We're trying to get through the show. We're trying to beat the sun, you know, uh, trying to, to not freeze everybody's ass off. But you also have to be smart with, with these cars and driver safety. And uh, we don't want to be wrecking race cars because there's something on the racetrack. So I'd rather them um, bring those cars down pit road for a quick minute and check the cars, clean up the racetrack, than wreck race cars. So 
that was a bit disappointing. But that definitely mixed things up because after that incident happened, Timmy Moore was able to storm through and take the lead. And I mean, we all know Timmy Moore is a great racer. And and I don't just say that because I watch him weekly at New Smyrna. I, I, Timmy Moore has always been on my radar, even when he wasn't running for Brickhouse full-time at New Smyrna, when he's driving his own stuff, which he was driving his own number 57 up at Speedfest with the Brickhouse support, of course. But it was a Timmy Moore race car. And um, he went out there and... It was kind of, I mean, it's not a surprise he won, but against this field, it was surprising to see him actually get this victory. So it was uh, it, it was very nice, well-deserved win for Timmy Moore up there. Survived the craziness out on the racetrack and uh, outlasted a great field of, of drivers. I mean, Doug Meyer, he's one of those top drivers. Brian Nestor, um, Brad Springer, Brad Bowman. I mean, so many great drivers. Uh, that he was able to beat, and he beat him fair and square and survived treacherous track conditions to do it. So um, I take it back. It wasn't Brian Nestor who had the crash. It was actually his teammate, Matt Dimmitt, uh, who was very vocal. So I do want to correct myself on that. Matt Dimmitt, very vocal on the track conditions that they had to race through, and he ended up with a wrecked race car. So tough break there. But again, congratulations to Timmy Moore and the Brickhouse Motorsports guys for a great performance out of state and making it two for two for the Florida boys so far during Speedfest. And, of course, there was the big super late model race, which is the part of Speedfest that I usually am more in tune with. Although, like I said, this is the first one I've really followed, um, you know, w- with a lot of interest, and I'm glad I did. So in the super late model ranks, you had 21, a little bit, little bit smaller car count than I would have thought, 30 prolates and 21 super late models. So I think we're starting to see the pro late models being, you know, the, the bigger car count these days. I mean, look at the entry list for speed weeks for the pro lates versus the entry list for the supers, but a great field of cars. It was a stout field here. Uh, you had drivers, great drivers all the way through Kyle plot, Albert Francis, uh, rich Clouser, Michael Atwell, Stephen Nassie, uh, Ryan Moore, all those great drivers outside of the top five in this race. That tells you how strong the competition was, regardless of the car count. Um, it was a good race. Uh, Chandler Smith driving for Donnie Wilson Motorsports, who uh, you may remember Chandler Smith dominated the first part of the Governor's Cup at New Smyrna and then had mechanical problems, got spun out. And then it was his teammate, Sammy Smith, who took the lead. So we knew Chandler was going to be good. And he led for a while. And then Bubba Pollard made the craziest move the, the two leaders were coming up on lap cars and uh, Chandler Smith dives to the outside. Another driver follows him up there. And here comes Bubba Pollard, who I believe was third at the time. He dives to the inside, takes the lead and established himself as the guy to beat. And it was crazy. I'm so glad there wasn't a wreck there because it would have been huge. Um, the race is pretty, pretty clean for the most part. Uh, Bubba Pollard is, is leading, but then we do have a caution with about 10 to go. Michael Atwell uh, who was third or fourth or fifth on the restart. He makes a move to the inside of Steven Nassie, gets into the side of Nassie. Both cars go flying off the top of turn one and two and are out of contention. And then we had a shootout between Bubba Pollard and uh, Chandler Smith. Those were those two were the class of the field. And uh, it would be Bubba Pollard who would ultimately take the win. His second big win of the year, won the Red Eye 50. And you can say what you want about that event, but it's still a big deal. It's first race of the year, and uh, people were talking about it, so it's still a big deal. Uh, so Bubba Pollard wins his second race of the year, and I loved, I loved, I loved what he had to say to the Racing America folks who were like, are you back? And Bubba goes, we didn't go nowhere. We just had to get our shit together. They definitely have their shit together, if you will. 
and uh, they win at Speedfest. They are going to Citrus County to try to win the big money event over there on February the 12th. And uh, I, even though my focus will be on the modified race that night and, and doing my thing at New Smyrna, um, I, I'll be very interested to see how that race at Citrus goes. A lot of good drivers are coming down there. And I hope even a quarter of them come back to New Smyrna to run a couple of nights of speed weeks nonetheless. So um, it, it was it was really fun. And, and yes, I'm, I'm giving you my perspective on Speed Fest from a broadcast that I watched. So um, definitely glad I was able to follow along and um, wish I could have been there. I think I might try to make the trip up next year because it seemed like a fun event. Um, I hope the full thing gets run next year, but I love the format. Do all the qualifying on Friday run your race on Saturday. You can have a big show in one night in, in, or one afternoon, if you will, and still make it a great thing. And, uh, thought it was, thought it was well done, even despite the challenges with the weather thrown at them. And as, uh, as Michael Hines said in his interview, it was just as cold as everybody was saying it was. So great job to get the show in, made for a fun weekend of racing and really, uh, Made for a, a great episode of the Racing with Ryan podcast, too. A lot to talk about here on this one. Sorry, it was kind of a long one, but um, hey, when there's a lot going on, there's a lot to talk about, and um, there was a lot more we could have talked about. So um, that's going to wrap it up here on the uh, on this episode of the podcast. Again, thanks to Speed Racer Photos for coming on as a sponsor for the next couple of weeks. We appreciate that. If you would like to sponsor the show, just get with me. $5 an episode. It's that cheap, folks. We'll be happy to add you on board so here's a look at what's coming up the next couple of weeks because we're getting into crunch time with speed weeks just around the corner so we might we might 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 make it over to the auburndale speedway this saturday so we might have a little coverage of that the clash is this sunday and i will correct myself from what i said last week it is four heats top four qualify not top five and there are two lcqs which makes a little more sense and then the um the one provisional for the highest driver in points, not already qualified. So that's how we get our 23 car field. Looking forward to that. Again, don't care for the music stuff. There for the racing. Um, yes, they could have went race somewhere else, but that's not the idea. So you're just going to have to get over it or don't watch or don't listen to that part of the podcast next week. I don't know what to tell you. I'm excited for it. Can't wait to see what happens. So uh, we'll be talking about the clash and hopefully uh, have a little bit of Auburndale Speedway to talk about. And then the week after... Uh, No, I'm sorry. Also next week, we will have our Speed Weeks preview. And then the week after, during Speed Weeks, I'm going to do my best to get driver interviews and do kind of a midweek recap. It probably won't be as good a quality because I'll probably have to do it on my cell phone because I won't be home to use the recording equipment. But nonetheless, I'll get a show of some kind out and we'll try to hear from a lot of drivers about how their Speed Weeks is going. And of course, after that, we'll do the full recap. So that's what's on the horizon for the Racing with Ryan podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. Enjoy your weekend, and I hope to see you one way or another at Speed Weeks. Take care, everybody.